Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to Circling the Bases, proudly presented by Roto World and NBC Sports. I'm DJ Short and my usual partner, Scott Pianowski from Yahoo, is actually on vacation this week. Well deserved, of course. So I'm joined here by Eric Smolski, who I'm happy to say is the newest addition at Roto World. Eric, welcome, first of all. And thanks for well, joining thank me you. here on the show today. Yeah. Of course, I'm ha- I'm happy to be here in all respects. Yeah, well, I I think for for some who are tuning into this podcast, uh, they may not know you super well yet. Um, sure. So I'll give you this chance to to introduce <laughs> introduce yourself to our our listeners. Tell us a little bit about uh, your background, your you know your passions in sports and that kind of stuff uh, to get us started. Sure. Uh, so. Um, I was an English teacher for the longest time, um, which kind of, you know, got me started in in writing. Um, And I played baseball in college down at Trinity University in Texas. Um, I played a year of professional baseball in Australia after college um, and have coached in college as well. So baseball is kind of like my my first true love uh, when it comes to sports. Um, I had previously been uh, writing fantasy football and baseball content um, at Roto Baller, um, and I have won three FSWA awards, uh, two for football and one for baseball. Um, And, you know, as a former catcher, a lot of my baseball content focuses on kind of like pitching, pitch mixes, kind of trying to break down uh, beyond just like the stats with pitching, but um, what Mm -hmm. kind of makes makes pitchers tick and who might uh, click and stuff like that. Um, and then the last year, uh, I've also been working for AM New York Sports, which is a, a paper here in New York where I live in Brooklyn. Um, and I've been doing kind of traditional sports reporting for them, you know, going into locker rooms and interviewing players. And so I'm excited to, uh, you know, to come over to, to Roto World and to, you know, get to do the fantasy content and hopefully, you know, keep doing some of that locker room content and blend the two together and, you know, give everybody kind of those those insights that, you know, only you know, NBC sports and platforms like that can, can get. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm super excited to see your background and how we can mix that together and, you know, give the best analysis possible to our readers and our, our listeners and our viewers. I'm very excited uh, to have you on board. And for today's show, which is our waiver wire Wednesday episode, uh, basically every Wednesday, Scott and I get together 
Um, we come up with a list of recommendations, usually five each. Uh, so today, Eric has come up with a few names. I have done the same. And since you are on the show for the first time, I'm going to let you go first, Eric, with your first recommendation. Sure. So just uh, these are not listed or ranked by order of preference. I rank them by order of um, rostership percentage uh, on Yahoo. So the first name is Royce Lewis, uh, who is only 44% rostered in Yahoo League. So just under that that 50% mark. Um, and for me, it's it's a couple of things. One, you know, the, the prospect pedigree from Royce Lewis, he's shown that he can play at this level. There have just been some inconsistencies. A, obviously, he's been super unhealthy uh, with, you know, the injury bug. And then Rocco Baldelli in Minnesota um, hasn't really been playing him consistently, but that seems to be changing lately, which is part of the reason that I'm really in on Royce Lewis because I think he's getting the consistent playing time. Um, over the last 30 days, we've seen him hit uh, 333 and he's slugging 500. Uh, he's got four home runs, 14 RBIs, and a stolen base over those last 30 days. Um, and so we've kind of seen that that power speed from him before. Um, and, you know, the the hard hit rate's going up. The strikeout rate is getting under control a little bit. He's still, you know, a little bit under that 30% mark, which for me is a little bit of a, a red flag when somebody goes over yep. 30. So you're just seeing a young player gaining more more confidence with the consistent playing time and allowing the tools to show. Um, and then he's got that multi-position eligibility on a lot of formats that I think is is really valuable. So I think, you know, you could be looking uh, at, at a nice second half breakout for for Royce Lewis, you know, fingers crossed that he avoids the, you know, the injury bug that has kind of plagued this Twins team right now. So today, Thursday, I, I'm, I haven't looked at the results so far, but he's hitting third in the Twins lineup. Uh, on on Wednesday, Colby Allard, left-hander on the hill for the Braves, so that's <laughs> certainly part of it. Uh, against a right-hander, uh, Bryce Elder on uh, Tuesday, he hit sixth, <coughs> um, but still good lineup territory there uh, mm-hmm. with the Twins as well. And and we know the prospect pedigree. He showed it before he got hurt again last year. So uh, and with the Twins struggling for offense, I think he's going to play uh, pretty much every day. Um, and this is actually a good segue. Uh, for our next Peacock game this Sunday. Sunday mornings mean MLB leadoff on Peacock. You can live stream games all season long. This week, two of the biggest surprises of the first half, uh, the Twins and the Orioles. The Orioles, of course, better record, but the Twins are in first place, even though they're barely (laughs) over 500 right now. But still, it should be a very exciting game. The Orioles are a ton of fun. Uh, just called up another top prospect this week. But uh, you can catch the showdown at 11.30 a.m. Eastern this Sunday. Again, it's exclusively on Peacock, so definitely go check that out. Remember that one. Starting off the day, a full slate of Major League games on Sunday. So my first recommendation here is uh, TJ Friedel with the Reds, available in 64% of Yahoo leagues. And this is, this is simple for me. I, you know, you look at teams who have a fun and interesting lineup, which we know the Reds have, especially with the, the prospects they've called up. McLean, Ellie De La Cruz, Joey Votto back in action. Friedel's hitting leadoff against right-handers um, mm. for the Reds right now in a really hitter-friendly ballpark as well. So th- th- automatically you're like, huh, that sounds pretty good. Friedel, speed, contactability, hitting 313 this year, really filling up the box score as well. Five homers, 28 RBIs, 12 steals, 28 runs scored, over 57 games. And if you go back to the start of last year, this is just 129 games. 
13 home runs, 18 steals. The sprint speed's there. Like I said, the contact ability at the top of the lineup for the Reds. I'm a little surprised he hasn't gotten a little bit uh, more men- more momentum in mixed leagues. Yeah, I think I'm glad you brought him up because I think TJ Friedel is a perfect example of um, the like the red and blue hot zones in StatCast, right? Because when you go to his StatCast page, like it's blue in the areas that people are like, ugh, it's you know yeah, 1% barrel rate and 3% hard hit rate and 3% X-log. And so I think he gets written off by a lot of like right. quick glances. And it's really important right. just to understand the type of hitter he is, right? You mentioned he, you know, he makes a lot of contact. He's got a 90% zone contact rate. His swinging strike rate is under 7%. Like he's just a guy who makes a lot of contact with a lot of foot speed in a good hitter's park. Um, and sure, he doesn't barrel the ball a lot, but he's also hitting a lot of ground balls and line drives, which with his speed means the batting average tends to be there even if he's not barreling the hell out of the ball. So I think there's a lot of upside here. My only one warning, uh, I, I just caution, he's a great waiver wire ad who you might be cutting in a few weeks from now because sure. if the Reds wind up calling up Christian Encarnacion Strand, who's been playing outfield in the minors, yeah. it's just like a log jam situation and we don't know how that playing time is going to shake out. We also know they want to acquire pitching. So who yeah. gets traded to acquire that pitching? So there's a lot of moving pieces with the Reds, but I think sometimes people get caught up in like the, am I going to use him a month from now? And I, oh, I don't yeah. know that you will, but in the next two or three weeks, you might use him a lot and he could be really valuable for you. Right. I mean, sometimes a fantasy season, I mean, it's so long, it's six months. It is kind of like passing the baton on the, on the fringes of your roster. And Friedel fits into that perfectly right now Mm -hmm. yeah for sure so who you got next next i'm coming with hasong kim uh who is rostered in just 41 percent of yahoo leagues so he's available in 59 percent of yahoo leagues um and i i think that this is like we we talk about like prospect growth is not linear all the time and sometimes we forget that with foreign players who come over and have to adjust Mm -hmm. to a new league like kim was was one of the best foreign players um he was one of the best players in korea for like a for a really long time like since he was like earlier than 20 years old and the adjustment last year was was hard um you know it's it's hard in a new you know he had that the 2021 2022 the last two years like rookie or rookie year here in 2021 not great things got better last year but he hadn't really kind of like peaked in the way people wanted but you know, he's making slow improvements in a new league, in a new country. And I think you're seeing those kind of take root a little bit here. Um, He's also started leading off the last week, which I find interesting. But over the last 30 days, he's hitting 289 with a 381 on base percentage and a 434 slug, Uh, three home runs, 17 runs in the last 30 days, again, hitting a top of that, that Padres lineup and then six stolen bases, which I think is where you're getting a lot of the value. Um, 13% 13% walk rate. So here's a guy who's getting on base a lot, who has the speed to do damage when he gets on base. Um, you know, 6% barrel rate isn't nothing, but I think that kind of falls in the, in the Frito category, right? Of, of here's right. a guy with, with good wheels who makes a decent amount of contact, way more than he made when he was first coming over from Korea, um, and is 
has the the wheels to to do damage when he gets on the bases in a lineup right. that I think if we're all being honest, we expect eventually is going to really break out. I mean, there's too much yeah. talent in that Padres lineup to just stay dormant for for that long. And if he can prove himself as the leadoff hitter at the top of that lineup, that could be extremely valuable. Yeah, with Tatis, Soto, Machado, Bogarts behind him, uh, scoring a lot of runs, you would assume, yeah. in that lineup. He has the patience. We know that. I mean, the Padres have used, like, jerks and Profar in the leadoff spot, so they're not afraid to use kind of the, just like that on-base guy at the top. Granted, some of that was with Tatis hurt and uh, mm-hmm. suspended, but uh, certainly possible that Hassan Kim could run away with this. And I- I've mentioned this before about Hassan Kim. Like, when it's all said and done, his numbers are going to be useful. They are kind of boring. And especially in an era where uh, teams are stealing more bases, like it's not going to stand out necessarily. When it's all said and done, those counting stats matter over the course of the season. And he's also mm-hmm. a really, really good defender too, uh, which is going to help his chances staying in the lineup. So At, at multiple positions too. I mean, they yeah. can slide him around to a few different places. So he's got that that high floor, I think, because he can. he's not really going to be taken out of the lineup. Right. So up next for me, dipping into the closer pool, uh, Adbert Alzale with the Cubs, available in 64% of Yahoo leagues, looking like the guy in this Cubs bullpen has been kind of murky so far. Uh, I think at the start of the year, the hope was that Michael Fulmer would take it. That didn't work out. Um, That was very ugly from the start. Uh, Brad Boxberger briefly for a little bit. Mark Leiter Jr. has been very good this year. I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop there with uh, Mark Leiter Jr. But uh, Alzale, a former very highly regarded uh, starting pitching prospect, uh, had mm-hmm. Tommy John surgery, returned late last year, looked good out of the bullpen, and the Cubs have kept that project going. And Alzale has looked the part this year. One eight five ERA, 36 strikeouts, just six walks, and 34 innings across 28 appearances this year. Each of the last two saves for the Cubs, three out of the last four. I don't, I don't understand why he's still out there. I mean, he's, he's getting you the strikeouts. He's helping in ratios. If you want to speculate on any situation, I mean, this is right there for the taking. Like I said with Leiter, like, he's having a great year. I, I just don't know if I fully buy it there. I think ideally he's more of like a multi-inning guy. And Alzale is the, the guy who can – pitch those high leverage spots and get important outs. Yeah. And I think you mentioned he was a, a, a highly regarded pitching prospect. Um, you know, I think the issue with him as a starter was, did he have a deep enough arsenal um, of pitches to like, yeah. to really go deep into games? And and the answer over time was proven out to be no, but the talent on the pitches that he did have was, was there in particular, the slider. And so now you have the situation where you see, okay, so he doesn't have to go that deep, into games right he's pitching one inning and he also can they can strategically use him where he doesn't really have to face as many lefties because that was a huge problem for him as a starter was his sinker was good his slider was really good and he didn't really have a fastball he could use against lefties and so you see if you look at his his splits lefties have always hit him much better than righties well now he gets to rely a lot more on the slider which has a 24 or sorry a 22.4% swinging strike rate in and of yep. itself which is great and he doesn't have to use his cutter which wasn't good so he can use his sinker more against righties so all of that stuff is just like you're able to highlight the stuff he does well in a closer role and 
kind of hide the stuff he doesn't do well. And I think this is for real. I don't think it's a blip. Um, the question is just how many games can the Cubs win? Because I think he's their guy. Yeah, I, I'm, I actually thought the Cubs would be better than they have been. I think they have the talent to be better than they have been in a, in a division that's really anybody's for the taking. If the Cubs wanted to be a buyer, they could be, and they could win that division. You could say that for the Reds, too. Uh, but I do see more safe chances in Alcalde's future. You know, it's kind of one of those things when you go to a, you know, the Yahoo leaderboard and you're sorting, like, saves of the past 30 days. Like, maybe he doesn't jump off the page at you. But when you look at the depth chart there, like, who else is it going to be, really? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I see the upside there with Alcalde. And he's someone, like, in a dynasty type of format or a keeper kind of league. I think you want to jump on him now because he has a chance to, in the next, you know, two, three years – to establish himself as potentially a, you know, top 15 fantasy closer. Oh, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Um, my next guy is Michael Garcia, uh, who is 36% rostered in Yahoo formats. Um, in most formats, he is now a uh, third base and shortstop eligible because he uh, came up as a shortstop prospect um, and then has played a lot of third base. And, and this is a guy who I think, he was flying under the radar until his three stolen base game last week. Yeah. And then if you just sorted by like league ranks and most leagues, he, he shot up. Um, mm-hmm. But what I think is interesting is, is the speed has always been there for him. Um, you know, he stole uh, 39 bases in the minor leagues last year in 2022. So I don't think anybody and 35 bases the year before that. So nobody is kind of surprised that, that he can run. But I think what get what gets undervalued is that he hits the ball hard. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't show up on on barrel rate stats because his launch angle is really low, and and barrel rate is predicated on hitting the ball a certain angle. But among qualified third basemen this year, he's seventh in hard hit rate, um, and he's also ninth in average exit velocity on fly balls and line drives. Which means he can hit the ball hard in the air. He just doesn't hit the ball in the air as often as you know a lot of other people would like. But again, he right. plays in Kauffman Stadium, which is not a great stadium for home runs if you don't have like true prodigious power. But I think this is just a way of showing that this isn't like a rabbit, right? This isn't a guy who's going to steal you 20-plus bases and not do anything else. Like he mm-hmm. can hit the ball hard, um, and they put him in the middle of the order some games. Like yeah. he'll, you'll see him flash leadoff sometimes, but he hits fourth and fifth a lot. And I know this is a team that that isn't giving you consistently a lot of like RBI opportunities. Um, yeah. But if you have a guy who has 20-plus stolen base upside who also hits fourth or fifth in the order and has the opportunity to drive in runs in, in those games where they do get you know runners on base, I, I just think he's being really undervalued for the all-around ability um, that he has. And, you know, he's come up and also made consistent contact, right? A, a 22% yeah. strikeout rate for a rookie is pretty good. And so I think yes. he's not going to tank your batting average, too. Like, he's a 260, 270 hitter the rest of the way. Um, and so I think there's a, a lot of value there if you're chasing speed. So uh, something impressive about uh, Michael Garcia, the chase rate is in the 97th percentile. To see a kid come up and not be chasing these pitches out of the zone uh, it's really encouraging off the bat. Like you said, hits the ball hard, but I, is this a misprint or is this real? Does he only weigh 145 pounds? <laughs> I, it, it is. I, you know, it's hard to say for sure. When you look at him, um, it looks like it could be real. 
He's definitely not a big dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that could explain, you know, you can hit the ball hard, but not necessarily going over the fence, but there's still value yeah. in hitting the ball hard for sure. And with his speed too. Sure. And I think when you say like, you know, I think maybe not this year, but I think that he's a 10 homer hitter because of the way he hits the ball. I think this year, like maybe he hits five home runs in the second half of the season, but if he hits five home runs and steals, you know, 10 to 15 bases while hitting you 260 like that that's usable in a lot of formats right and that that's like kind of a perfect segue into Harrison Bader uh with the Yankees available in 62 percent of Yahoo leagues if you sort by some of the best fantasy performers over the past couple of weeks you will not find Harrison Bader in there he is just four for 24 since coming off the injured list he's been hurt a lot this year hamstring oblique injuries but in the games he has played 33 games this season. He's packed a lot of production in that time. Six home runs, 21 RBIs, seven steals, 16 runs scored. I I don't think he's the kind of guy where you're going to get a ton of power. But if there's any place that he can maximize it, uh, it's obviously Mm -hmm. Yankee Stadium. The Yankees lineup is not very good. Um, So to just say like, oh, he's in the Yankees lineup, it's positive. Right now, that is not true. Uh, But Yankee Stadium certainly being in his favor – I think we saw a little bit down the stretch last year with Bader, what he's capable of doing there in Yankee Stadium. I still think, given his track record where we've seen that power-speed combination, the rest of the way, assuming he can stay healthy, another really great defender helps his chances of staying on the field. The Yankees have moved on from Aaron Hicks. He's going to play. Stanton has struggled since coming back. Judge is who knows when he's coming back. Bader's going to play. Uh, I still think he has a chance the rest of the way to give you five to 10 home runs, steal 10 more bases, uh, give you some nice totals and runs scored. So even though he struggled recently, I I expect him to get back on track and be a a useful fantasy performer. Yeah. um, I've always kind of been intrigued by Bader. I think he has like an underrated power speed combo where, you know, it's not like Acuna powered speed, but there, but there is enough in there to make him useful in both categories. And listen, the Yankees, maybe not to the same extent as the Padres, but it's a lineup that I think has to wake up at some point. Um, yep. You know, Stanton has been awful since coming off the IL. Um, yep. Glaber Torres, since his hot first month of the year, has been terrible. Uh, it might be four weeks until we see Aaron Judge again. I mean, we, there's yep. really no real timeline for that, that um, the torn ligaments. But I just think that right. there's enough talented hitters in that lineup that they'll be fine um, without Judge. They've been like one of the worst offenses in all of baseball in June. So I think I think you can buy the dip a little bit on some of these guys. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating. I think over the weekend, I think Sunday, I tweeted out the Yankees were hitting 198 as a team in June, like which is basically impossible, really. <laughs> I mean, the, the it's like it's, it's worth. Like, I mean, it's yeah. Oakland A's level ineptitude. Yeah. But they're not that – I mean, uh, the second half of the lineup is bad. We'll see how long, yes. like, the Josh Donaldson thing goes on. I think I think he's close to done, honestly. Yeah. But Bader, Bader has been hitting, what, third? He hit third mm-hmm. on – wait, he hit second on Tuesday night. He hit second Sunday. I believe he hit third on Saturday. So, like, even yeah, in then, a and, lineup that's not yeah. good – He's getting that prime real estate, right? Right. 
and and he i think he he will continue to i mean he's another guy yeah. who like when he's not at the top of the lineup he's been hitting fifth so you know they're not burying him in that lineup they i mean listen it's a lineup with like billy mckinney in it so you can only <laughs> bury a guy like harrison vader so far but but yeah. again like and if there's a if there's any team that you that you think is gonna make a move i mean the yankees aren't gonna let themselves be fourth or fifth in the AL East. Like they're just, I can't see it happening. Um, And so I think moves are going to be made, but not for Bader because his defense will keep him in the lineup. Um, And, you know, you pointed out the Donaldson thing. Like, would it surprise me if they let Donaldson have a hot stretch against Oakland and and St. Louis, and then they shipped him off somewhere? Like, you know, no, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, And then you get Peraza up and who knows, but I think there's upside that Bader can tap into also. What do you think about the season that Anthony Volpe has had so far? Fantasy wise, like you're getting some power and some speed, but like it's, it hasn't been great. So I got to say, like, I I wrote about this for AM New York because I was down at spring training and, you know, covered the Yankees a little bit. And I wrote about what his realistic expectations were. And I think like, I think I predicted that he would hit 220, which most people would take really easily right now because he's been under 200 for a while. But I think this was what we should have expected from a, a guy who never put up high batting averages in the minors, who had strikeout issues, who was skipping AAA entirely off the back of a really strong spring training where, you know, if yeah. you went to baseball reference and looked at his like average opponent competition, it was basically high double a pitching that he was facing. Um, yeah. So it wasn't like he was lighting up major leaguers. Now there is a really fantasy friendly skill set here in the same way that like Bobby Witt Jr. is not putting up really strong traditional yes. fantasy stats, but he's got power and speed. And I think if the Yankees lineup was a little better, it would be lifting Volpe a little bit. Um, I really do believe them when when they say they're not going to send him down. Like, uh, I think maybe they should have, but I, yeah. I don't think they're going to. So if you can ride a 200 to 210 batting average with him, and that's not going to tank your team, I think you're still going to get usable stolen bases and home runs. And then hopefully the counting stats tick up when the lineup starts to do a little better. But I, I wouldn't expect him to all of a sudden like become a 280 hitter in the second half of the season. Yeah. Like I think this batting average is for real. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it's a, it's a good comp to Bobby Witt Jr. I, I just think that the only thing with Witt is like, if you look at Witt's expected stats, like he deserves a lot better right. luck than he's had until this point. His expected batting average is 287 actually um and you know his sprint speed is the top if not 100 percentile it's a you know it's right there among the the league leaders so if you want to buy low on wit i i think this would be the time to do it volpe i think has more questions to answer overall about his profile yeah uh and i think you know in in dynasty leagues and keeper leagues and all that i mean i I, there's still a really high level of natural talent there um and so, yeah. you know, I don't think he's going to be a 210 hitter for his career. I just think that might be where he's at for this year. Like opening sure. day, shortstop for the Yankees, rookie, like everything that comes along with that. Um, that's a lot to put on a, a young player, I think. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I kind of snuck, I told you I snuck an extra one in, and that's something that, like, people will learn about my writing at Roto World and stuff is uh, if I should just write about three players, I'll probably write about five or six. Um, It's just (laughs) a a bad habit I have. Um, But I want to, I want to sneak in a quick one. I I mentioned um, Yiner Diaz and this was more, if you're in like a two catcher league, uh, Yiner Diaz is only rostered in 4% of Yahoo leagues. Um, But, he was somebody who I thought at the beginning of the year would push to be the backup catcher in yeah. uh, Houston because he hit over two hundred, over three hundred. Sorry, across two levels last year, um, and always kind of had a really good offensive profile, but was raw behind the dish. But the Yoron Alvarez injury has allowed them to play um, Diaz regularly at catcher and at DH, and then actually he's even played three games at first base. Because yeah. he's hitting 276 overall this year with seven home runs and just a 17% strikeout rate. But in June, um, and since uh, Jordan Alvarez has gone down, in 17 games, uh, Diaz is hitting 323 with five home runs, seven runs, 11 RBIs. He doesn't walk. So uh, yeah. if you're in an OBP format, um, he's not going to be great for you. But he can hit the ball. Um, and. Yeah. You know, Houston's lineup is not as deep as we've seen it in the past. And uh, I think yeah. that he's proven that that he can remain in the lineup even when Alvarez comes back because they can let him catch, let him DH, let him play first. And and I think in two catcher formats, he's usable for the whole rest of the season is my prediction. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, sometimes getting that player who's catcher eligible who isn't actually catching is like mm-hmm. a huge plus. Uh, yeah. So that's certainly the case with Diaz, at least until Alvarez comes back, which sounds like maybe it's mid-July, but... Uh, I guess we'll knows? see yeah. uh, good numbers in AAA last year for Diaz and uh, the strikeout rate in AAA last year was 17.8%. So far this season, uh, just 139 plate appearances, but uh, that stuff sticks pretty quick. 17.3%. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty much duplicating what he did in AAA last year. So certainly a good sign for a lineup that could use uh, some positivity. Um, sticking in the AL West for me uh, another rookie, Brian Wu, with the Mariners. Uh, so Wu was available in 69% of Yahoo leagues at the moment. Had a really bad debut start, which is skewing the overall numbers. 4.37 ERA so far. But if you look a bit deeper, had a really good start on Tuesday night. Uh, his expected numbers are amazing. <laughs> 2.45 yeah. ER, expected ERA. Has 32 strikeouts, just six walks in 22 and two-thirds innings. The stuff is there. Uh, Mid-90s fastball, slider, uh, even mixing in a changeup. But uh, I like the stuff from him. Has a chance to stick in this rotation for sure. And I think really going overlooked based on just the surface ERA stat. Um, But I think a lot of potential in this Mariners rotation. Yeah, I, I I love Wu. Um, I've added him in, in so many places. I think, you know, I admittedly like didn't know who he was heading into the season because um he wasn't uh he didn't seem to be on the radar of a call up from the, from the Mariners. 
Um, yeah. The fastball and the slider are are super legit. Uh, I loved so uh, Alex Chamberlain has this pitch leaderboard, which is um, this tableau that he puts together that compares. It, you can use it to compare pitches to other pitches to other pitchers pitches and he uses kind of like the shape of the pitch and all of that and so uh brian Wu's fastball has a 99 percentile comparison to jacob de grom's fastball okay um and a 99 percentile comparison to alexis diaz's fastball um so that you're definitely not mad at that um, no. And you and you know and you know the slider is great because you're getting tons of swinging strikes on it. So the mm-hmm. only issue I see is it's pretty clear they're trying to limit his innings. Like, like he five-ish. went he went five yeah. he went five innings last night when yeah. he probably could have gone more. But again, if they're gonna let him go five, there's an an avenue for you to get wins. And he struck out seven in five innings, so the strikeouts can still be there. Um, I think it's the question, you know, this goes back to like the TJ Friedel thing is how long do they let him go in the season? Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's probably capped at 110 innings based on what he threw in the minors last year. So yeah. will they use him all the way through? Will they shut him down at some point? But again, right. you're not, you don't care about that in the immediate, in the immediate, you're getting right. really good results and he might get shut down. We don't know. Um, right. You can so 57, 57 innings in uh, the minors last year. He's thrown 44 in double A uh, this season, 22 and two thirds so far. So he's already topped. He already has his professional high for innings. So um, certainly legitimate to wonder where that where that ends. And, you know, the Mariners have been disappointing, but I'm sure they still have designs on getting one of these wild cards. Mm-hmm. Whether they will, we'll see. But that's always a factor too with these teams where they're like, who do we want to have active in September? Like when it really, really right. matters. So uh, do they yeah. pause him or slow him down at some point too? And you, and you can tack 10 innings from the Arizona fall league onto his minor league total. So go. it's not, it doesn't move the needle that much, but it's not nothing. I mean, it, it maybe adds 15 innings to his current, as you know, his 2023 innings total. So it, that might yep. give you two or three extra starts. Right. Right. Uh, who else you got? So I, I will stick with you with pitching. Um, if I told you that the major league stuff plus leader for the month of June was Kyle Bradish, uh, would you believe me? Because I, it is true. I mean, that is pretty amazing. But I, I remember back to spring training, Bradish was like one of the guys we were talking about, right? He had a yeah. lot of hype and helium. I think he hurt his foot maybe in like his first start. He got, I think he yeah, got hit like, with a comebacker, comeback. but that's what he yeah. like had a, a foot injury. Yeah. Right. And that, like, this, that cooled everything, right? Yeah. And this is to me like, I think this is why when, you know, I, as again, as a former catcher, I like nerd out about pitch mix maybe too much, but I think it's super important when you're when you're doing things like this because like Bradish has the the best slider by stuff plus in the majors in the last month yeah. okay Graham Ashcraft did before that and we know that it didn't work yeah. out for Graham Ashcraft and part right. of the reason was that Graham Ashcraft had a fastball and a cutter or sorry a slider and a cutter and he didn't have anything that was slow and he didn't have anything that he could use against righties um right. Bradish also has elite stuff plus numbers on his curveball and his changeup, and he has really poor stuff plus numbers on his fastball 
Well, in June, he's only throwing his fastball 19% of the time, and he's upped his usage of the slider to almost 36%. So you just look at, like, are the results tied to anything tangible, or are they lucky? And if the results are tied to tangible pitch mix change of reducing the use of my worst pitch and increasing the use of my best pitch, well, why should we believe that that's going to change? Obviously, he made a change. He's seeing the success of that change. He's probably going to stick to the same usage. We also now have to think that Baltimore is a pitcher's park because it it changed last year and it became a pitcher's park. So mentally, sometimes I think we forget to make that adjustment. Mm -hmm. So I I really don't think there's any reason why Bradish's June should be seen as an outlier. Now, will he put up these kind of of numbers, right? Like, is he going to continue to have a better stuff plus than – you know, Garrett Cole and Spencer Strider and, and pitchers like that. Like, right. yeah, no, probably not. Um, you know, I, I don't think that you're seeing, you know, his splits right now. Um, but again, he has a 354 ERA in June. So it's yeah. not like he's pitching out of his mind and can't possibly replicate that. Um, right. You know, with that's with a 315 XFIP, like there's a good chance that he's a mid to low three ERA pitcher with good strikeout stuff. In a league mm-hmm. where the league ERA is now, I think like the average is like four point three ERA or something. Um, right. So I, I really think like if people aren't buying this, you should buy up as many shares of Bradish as you can because I think that I think what you're seeing is a legitimate change and him making good on the hopes we had for him in in March. Right. I mean, it, just another case of a pitcher leaning into his strengths. I mean, we see that happen often. Uh, with a pitcher reaches that next level just by making those tweaks. Now, do teams catch on to the sequencing and that kind of stuff? Like that's another adjustment he may have to make in, in time. But uh, for the moment, it's working for him. And, you know, you you look at the Stuff Plus leaderboards, which are really fascinating and useful. It, it's sort of like when you go to a baseball savant page, like it's just a, like a piece of data that points right. you in a certain direction it's not the end all be all, but it's a thing where you're like, I'd rather have him be high here than not. You know what I mean? And yeah. then you, you and take the, that and see where it leads. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it can be weighed in a way that, that lacks context. Right. But I yeah. think anytime you see, okay, he has three pitches that grade out really well by just natural raw stuff, including one pitch that grades out as the best version of that pitch in baseball. And then you can add the context of, okay, so that gives him multiple pitches to throw. And then he's using these pitches more than he was before. So you just, you got to, you know, it's the English teacher in me, but I feel like you got to tell yourself the story. It's not just like, hey, what are these numbers? It's what do these numbers mean? And how do they tell me a story of what's happening with this pitcher? And I think the story they tell of Bradish is a pitcher making a change and leaning into what he does best and a pitcher who should continue to see that success. Right. I mean, I'd be fascinated to know internally with the Orioles right now, like what they're talking about. Like we only Mm -hmm. have access to so much information. Stuff plus it's interesting, but we know probably the teams have like so much more that they have access to. It'd be fascinating to be a fly on the wall with with young pitchers who are trying to find their way uh, to make them the most successful version of themselves. And for now, maybe we're seeing that with Bradish. Um, A pitcher I'm fascinated to get your take on, and I'm recommending him here, but this is like a – this is a deeper league, uh, you know, lottery ticket shot is uh, Brandon fought. And he is another pitcher during spring training. The helium was through the roof, had a great spring, didn't make the team. 
out of spring training. A lot of people are disappointed by that. Uh, he came up for a brief time, had an 8.37 ERA over five starts with the Diamondbacks, eight home runs allowed in 20, 23 and two-thirds innings. Just got hit really hard. He's been good since going back to AAA. 2-4-1 ERA, 23 strikeouts, just one walk over his last three starts. And now it looks like he will get another chance in the Diamondbacks rotation. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Merrill Kelly, who's been great this year, uh, going on the injured list has a blood clot in his lower right leg. Uh, unclear how long he'll be sidelined. Obviously, you know, health comes first, that kind of stuff. It's, it's scary. Um, but Fought should get another chance here. And, and we'll see. I, I think he's he's a little bit divisive because, yes, the strikeouts in, in AAA were amazing last year. I think he had, what, 218 led the, led the entire minor leagues. And speaking on stuff plus in that the limited time he was here uh in the majors this season like his stuff was rated above average um yeah but he was hit really hard i i don't know if that's just a matter of a, of a pitcher who is too much in the zone or or what the case might be the stuff isn't overpowering either but i'm fascinated to get your take on that well did you see because it's great i'm glad you mentioned that did you see the quote from the diamondbacks general manager mike hazen about nope. brandon fought he said, and I quote, he's done a good job. I think the amount of strikes he throws, he's going to get clipped for homers. Okay. So I think that speaks to exactly what you're saying is like, yeah, he doesn't have overpowering stuff for the major league level with enough of his pitches. And he got hit for a lot of home runs when he was up before. And I, th- his own general manager says it's going to happen. So I don't know why we would doubt his own general manager believing it's going to happen. I think what's interesting is like, again, one small piece of context. We don't want to read too far into it. Statcast has a thing where it tells you, um, you know, it gives you comparisons based on like batted bro, matted ball profile and pitch mix and all that kind of stuff. And one of the pitchers that pops up as being similar to Brandon fought is Hayden Wesneski. Um, hmm. And I find that to be really interesting because Hayden yeah. Wazeski was another guy who preseason had a lot of hype um, oh, yeah. and has a really good sweeper and yeah. m- maybe nothing else. Um, and that's part of the reason why Hayden Wazeski has a 513 ERA this year um, is because he doesn't have the depth of Arsenal to back up the one pitch. And my worry is that we'll see that with Fought as well. Um the, the slider plays. I think it's a good it's a good pitch. Um, it was you know I get it was good in his major league debuts as well. Um, yeah. But I, I I just found the four seamer it looked super hittable. Um, and I know that he talked about like how he was releasing it weirdly and he wasn't getting the usual movement that he normally does. And so maybe he went down to the minors and, and tweaked it and and it will come up looking like a different pitch. Um, and that's right. something that we absolutely have to keep in mind. But also, like, again, if we're using Stuff Plus, you know, his Stuff Plus in AAA, because Eno Saris puts out uh, AAA Stuff mm-hmm. Plus, is 94.1. That ranks 97th um, of pitchers, you know, who have thrown, um, I believe, 60 pitches in AAA this year. Uh, and it's not bad. Uh, you know, 100 is average pitch by pitch not overall so it's not like below average but it's not you know 
it is not the stuff plus numbers you're seeing from like Bobby Miller, who was 127.9. Gavin Williams is 118.4. Taj Bradley, 114.1, right? Like he's not grading based on pure stuff like those guys. We've seen him come up and get hit. Um, I think it's worth a gamble if you're in a deep league and you can put him on your bench and see how he does because there's enough pedigree, but don't go crazy. Yeah, I I feel the same way. I think if you're dealing with pitchers who are injured, pitchers who are underperforming, he's a stash and and see where this goes. Like you said, maybe, you know, he did go down to to AAA and uh, made some tweaks with his arsenal, his arm angle, what have you. And we'll see how it translates against major league pitching. He's going to get the opportunity, which sometimes is half the battle here. But mm-hmm. I would agree, like, there's an upper tier of uh, pitching prospects. And, you know, Miller and William, Gavin Williams the other day or yesterday had a great start. I mean, he's not on that tier, to be clear. But I still think there's there's potential here. And he's someone we should, we should follow closely, especially if he gets, a, you know, three weeks to a month of opportunities in the Dynamax rotation. Yeah. Um, I would, the last guy, because I told you I cheated and added that one more, that Yiner Diaz one, but the, the last guy, I would probably take over thought right now, and it's Griffin Canning. Um, and I think that Griffin Canning, he's kind of like tantalized with potential for a while, but never seems to stay healthy. Um, he has a 235 ERA for the Angels in June. Um, throws a lot of strikes, uh, has just a 3% walk rate. Uh, and I, what I like about him is like he has two really good pitches in the in the slider and the changeup. They both have over seventeen percent swinging strike rates. Uh, they both give up about a three percent barrel rate, so they don't give up hard contact. They miss bats. He's gonna remain like a you know he's not gonna be a stud because he doesn't have that really good fastball to rely on. But he's a guy who's just learned how to be a smart pitcher um over the years as he battles injuries and he has multiple pitches he can throw for strikes and he commands the zone well um and you know that's prevented or in in this recent run of success it's enabled him to like to really kind of um, avoid really bad blow-up starts um and you know i don't know that you're gonna get a 25 percent strikeout rate the rest of the year which is pretty good in what he's doing in in june but i think there's no reason why he doesn't become like a really like a usable pitcher Who's a three seven to like four one ERA type of guy? Um, who maybe you sit against like really good lineups, but yeah. I think again we're talking about a league ERA that's like at four three right now, where sometimes these guys who seem boring um, are just really good guys to have as your final starters, and right. you just you know make sure they don't hurt you. Right, like if you've been sitting on like Carlos Carrasco in hopes that he is right. more like the his past self, like probably should just grab Griffin Canning and, and run with that because I I'm not so sure we'll see the Carlos Carrasco even close to a, of old at this point for sure right yeah uh, so this was this was a lot of fun and before we go I, I wanted to mention obviously if you've gone to rotoworld.com NBC Sports Edge you've noticed that we have uh, relaunched our website uh, NBC Sports Rotoworld all in the same place uh, it's a work in progress um player news is super important to what we do it's it's what brings people to the site and we care about it a ton and we will make sure that it looks right and you guys get the same great information that you've always gotten i think there's a lot of potential with this new site so just be patient and 
hang with us and uh, I think it'll I think it'll be good in the end. So uh, I've heard a ton of feedback and we definitely take it to heart and we will uh, make the necessary improvements to make it a great experience for uh, the folks that have been with us forever. So uh, I'm excited to see where it goes and with Eric on board as well. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've been using that, that player news for a really, really long time. So uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to hear it'll still be around. I'm excited for the new, you know, the new site, excited to be a part of the team. And I'm uh, looking forward to, to getting started. Yeah, absolutely. Eric, this was a really good time. Remember to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review if you like what you're hearing. Also, like I said, go to rotorworld.com or nbcsports.com slash fantasy. You can scroll down. You can see all of our podcasts there. Rotorworld Football Show, having multiple episodes a week now. Before you know it, it's going to be uh, in the thick of fantasy football draft prep. A lot of folks already doing best ball drafts. I feel like every day there's something like that. Uh, but yeah, go uh, download the Rotorworld Football app, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short on Twitter. Eric is at Samsky, S-A-M-S-K-I-N-Y-C on Twitter. Thanks, everyone. Have a great 4th of July, and we will see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.